Hello listeners, and welcome to the realm of fantasy. A few weeks ago I found this strange crystal that I'm talking to you through on the corpse of a young human man in strange clothes. After going to my close friend Archmage Cordelia, she informed me that the transmitting device was attuned to a plane of existence called Earth. She also informed me that the device was incredibly cursed, and by extension, so am I. So now, in her words, if I don't do at least 10 episodes of a podcast in the next 10 weeks, my eyes will explode through the back of my skull and my body will be set adrift through the astral sea. Now, as I very much appreciate my stormy blue eyes and my position in this plane of existence, I made a vow to keep you, listener, up to date on the news of the realm of fantasy. So now, with that out of the way, allow me to introduce myself. I am the legendary bard Gordise, voice of the Western Wind, writer of the Green Dragon broadsheets, and purveyor of many things. And this is Late Night Fantasy. start the episode, I'd like to thank some fans for sending in letters to the show. I do find it strange that I never shared my address, but who am I to turn away gifts? The first letter is signed by Anonymous, and reads, I've been watching. Look for the signs. You are the one who will end it. Well, listeners, uh, that's very sweet, but I'm not sure entirely what you mean, but uh, thank you all the same. The second letter is from a young fan named Luke Lepetit. Luke says that he's eight years old, and that he loves listening to the show with his mother. He also states that his favorite creature is the Kraken, and asks me what my favorite creature is. You know, Luke, uh, about four years back I actually fought a Kraken, and oh boy did it kick me in my friend's butts. Uh, our ship would have been ripped in half if not for the quick thinking of my wizard friend Cordelia who was luckily able to magically command the titan to flee. As for my favorite creature, I suppose it would be dragons. There's just something so regal about them. Metallic and chromatic alike, they just have this presence to them. It's like standing next to greatness incarnate. Thank you for the letters, Anonymous and Luke. I still don't know how you know where I live, but I appreciate the sentiment all the same. And now, the news. Our first story involves me, so we're starting with it. My assistant, Brian, has been arrested. The exact charges against him are unclear. When I inquired as to why officials were holding him, I was met with the simple, we're just following orders. We'll look into it. I say bull to both. Brian Thedku is a upstanding young half-orc, and one of the best reporters I've ever known. To hold a person without good cause might as well be the definition of the word unjust. So I ask you please, listeners, to send Brian your best wishes. Jola Shorebinder, the merfolk ambassador of the Lenorian Depths, will be putting on a festival in celebration of the reformation of their nation 60 years ago. The festivities will include a dinner ball held inside the ambassador's estate that will be available to those of high society. Those not invited should not despair, though, as all of the streets of the Pearl Ward will be filled with traditional Lenorian food stands, games, and small cultural theater productions. 
Those who plan to attend are encouraged to buy a ticket and participate in the tearing of the net ceremony, where over 300 participants will tug on a one-kilometer-long net. Whoever ends up with the largest piece will be named the Deep Lord of the Festival and be gifted with a chest filled with 100 gold pieces and receive an invite to the Ambassador's Ball. And now, the weather. The spring and winter fey courts are still in conflict as expected, though it does seem that the spring court is slowly gaining the upper hand. As such, in the weeks ahead, expect an increase in light rains and overcasts. The storm coast will continue experiencing turbulent weather as it has been for the last 2,145 years. Mount Death will experience its 53rd eruption of the year this Wednesday. The Plains of Pain will see temperatures up to and exceeding 322 degrees Kelvin. The Dark Grove will experience an overcast all week, as will the Verdant Valley and the Western Marsh, though the latter two will experience rain on Wednesday and Thursday. This has been The Weather, a public service announcement from me concerning dragons. That letter little Luke sent me got me thinking about dragons and how cool they are. So, I thought I'd use this opportunity to teach you listeners about the common types of dragons. First, the chromatic dragons. Red, blue, green, black, and white. Red dragons are known for being the most powerful of the chromatics. And they know it. They are known for being incredibly self-centered, possessing fire breath and typically living in mountains, if you catch one's attention, you're probably already dead. The second most powerful chromatic is the blue dragon. These dragons are known for using illusion magics to make travelers lost while out in the desert. Their preferred mode of hunting is to fly high up where they are nigh imperceivable, and to rain lightning breath on those unsuspecting. It is almost guaranteed that a blue dragon will spot you before you spot it. Should you be traveling in the desert and hear the sound of thunder, it would be best to turn around. Green dragons are the next most powerful chromatic dragon type. Green dragons differ from other chromatics in their intelligence. Now, by no means are any other dragon dumb, except for maybe the white dragons, but green dragons are brilliant and deceptive. They enjoy a conversation with their meal. This can include buttering you up with compliments, exchanging riddles, and or exchanging stories. All the while, they're guiding you right where they want you. So they may kill you with their poison breath. Outwitting and evading is your only real hope in living past an encounter with a green dragon. The black dragon, sometimes called the skull dragon, is one of the cruelest dragons out there. They use their acid breath mixed with their superb swimming ability to trick and torture anyone unfortunate enough to travel into their swamp territory. My tip for handling black dragons is to just avoid the swamp entirely. The final dragon that I'll be covering today is the white dragon. As I said before, white dragons are not the most intelligent creatures ever. Also being the smallest of the chromatics, they make up for their shortcomings in being the most feral of their kind. Knowing their disadvantage, white dragons will typically hunt those they perceive as lesser. White dragons are known to have impeccable memories, so much so that they are storied to have held grudges for hundreds of years. 
should you ever anger a white dragon and somehow survive, do yourself a favor and never go back. It'll pick up your scent from over a mile off. An update on the Goblin Strikes first covered last week, it seems that Grackle Stober was true to their word, as it is reported that an overwhelming majority of the goblins are still protesting the unfair conditions they are forced into. I would have some answers as to their plans moving forward, but as you may remember, listeners, Brian is currently unlawfully jailed. In the same vein of news, it's rumored that the Dark Lord has not left their tower in weeks. As a result, small factions of their armies are beginning to split apart as they are unsure of the condition of their Dark Master. And now, a word from our sponsor. Oh, Jibby, what's that? Oh, nothing. Just my new sending stone. No way! You have a sending stone? I heard those cost a small fortune. Far from it, Aaron. My sending stone was quite affordable. And reliable, too, unlike letters. In fact, it has service just about anywhere in the realm of fantasy. Aw, oh, man, I wish I could order a sending stone. Oh, but you can, Aaron! Rigby Mulligan! That's right, kiddos. In fact, you'll have it delivered. All you have to do is send a letter with 20 gold pieces to Mulligan's Magic Emporium at 245 Victory Street. Once you send in your money, you're guaranteed your sending stone in eight to nine business days or your money back. Or my name isn't Rigby Mulligan. Thanks, Thanks Rigby, Rigby Mulligan. Mulligan. My pleasure, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how did you get in my house? Good news, everyone. Good news, listeners. It seems that someone was able to break Brian out of prison. Bad news is that that person may have accidentally also lit the prison on fire. Whew. Man, I'm out of shape. Okay, so it turns out uh, the fire may have spread a little bit further than the Liberator may have intended. Uh, far enough to burn about a third of the Pearl Ward. As a result, the Lenorian Reformation Festival has been postponed. Also, don't worry, listeners, Brian's okay. He's just been polymorphed to be unrecognizable by the law. As such, welcome to the team Bronwyn Guile, my totally human, wink, nephew, wink. And now on to the interview. Joining us tonight, listeners, is Marco Gatos. The former familiar of the great necromancer of the South, Marco is running for mayor of Spire and is currently the leading opposition of the current mayor, Francine Forrest. Marco is a sentient calico cat whose platform is built on the protections of personal freedoms. It's a pleasure to finally meet you, Mr. Gatos. I'm a big fan of your work. Well, it's always great to meet fans. It's actually quite lucky that I'm able to be here at all. I was supposed to be going to a dinner ball tonight, but it was canceled on account of the recent fire at the prisons. Oh yeah, we uh, heard about that. It's weird. From what I've heard, apparently it was set on fire by someone trying to break into the prison. <clears throat> yeah, um, really weird. Uh, so you're running for mayor of Aspire, Mr. Gatos? Ah, yes, yes, I am. 
As far as I know, if you win this election, you'll be the first non-humanoid to hold office since the establishment of the Alliance of Free Peoples 220 years ago. It's definitely a large step forward for civil rights. I feel that, should they be elected, my unique perspective will breathe new life into Spire and their citizens. But you do have some that oppose your candidacy, such as City Council member Tom Hardwick, who insists that you're not qualified for the position, citing your past affiliations with cults and the Necromancer of the South. I respect Council member Hardwick's caution, even if he isn't as zealous about it with others. As I've stated in the past, I am no longer in contact with Cletus. We parted ways when he made the decision to perform the ritual to become a lich and promptly forgot about me. <coughs> Excuse me, that was, a, that was a big hairball. And as far as my affiliation with the Order of the Ageless Pyramid, the Order hasn't committed a church-authorized blood sacrifice in over 900 years. His and others' judgmental kind of thinking just shows how far we have to grow as a city and a nation. Staying on that topic, one of your largest running points is the protection of personal freedoms. In what ways could you support these freedoms if you were elected? I feel that the thing that makes the AFP, Spire, and her citizens special is the freedom to share one's voice without fear. If I were to become mayor, I would expand the city's education budget to enable better schooling for the poor, providing more opportunity for social mobility. And you believe that education will protect people's social rights? I feel that educated citizens are much more likely to be able to defend their own rights. I believe the most valuable trait one can have is the ability to know and choose what is right. I can see where you're coming from. People are also interested on in how you plan to combat the rising crime rate and homeless population. I feel that the budget changes that I just proposed will go a long way in combating both of these problems, but I also know that we will need more than just that in the meantime. That's why, if I become Mayor Aspire, I will work with the city to build programs to help disenfranchised citizens find honest, good-paying jobs. And how do you plan to pay for these programs? Well, taxes will have to rise a small bit, but I will personally work with the city treasurer to make a more fair and balanced tax system. And a sleeker budget. I think we've talked enough about politics. So tell me about yourself, Mr. Gatos. What do you do for fun? For fun? I've not done anything just for fun in a hot minute. Well then, what do you do to de-stress? Uh... Most days, I try to get in a chapter or two of whatever book I'm reading at the time. If I can't do that, I'll try to lay out in the warm sunbeams or curl up in a nice basket. Oh, what book are you reading at the moment? The Daring Trials and Tribulations of, uh, someone or another. I, I can't, can't quite remember, but it's an adventure book that with some weird story choices, like... In the most recent chapter I've read, they spent half of the pages trying to hide two knocked-out guards while trying to shop. It all just seems like weird creative choices. I think I've read that one. Some of the chapters get a little weird like that, but overall it's a good read. We're almost out of time. Is there anything you'd like to say to the audience? Get out and vote. Even if it's not for me, your voice is the most powerful tool you have. Don't let it go to waste. 
Thank you for joining me, Mr. Gatos, and I wish you good luck in the coming election. It was fun! Hopefully I can come back sometime. If you're a citizen of Spire and plan to vote, make sure to register by next week. Voting opens in two weeks and will be available at your nearest Temple of Law. Well, listener, I hope you've enjoyed this week's broadcast. Until next time, I'm Gordy Say, wishing you a good night fantasy. Late Night Fantasy is presented in collaboration with the Audio Production 2 class in the School of Media and Journalism in Arkansas State University.